streaming on Facebook on the CMD Kenya page. Please send in your comments and questions. We'll try to get them in uh, the next two hours of the discussion. Uh, let me begin with Honorable uh, Isaac Mwaura. Thank you so much, Mheshimiwa, um, for joining this discussion. Um, you are in the space when it comes to legislation, implementation of uh, laws much like this. You're a nominated senator and uh, you represent, uh, of course, the constituency who's living with uh, a disability. Now, last year in March, the National Assembly Speaker, Justin Muturi, urged MPs to implement Article 100. Um, we are well over a year later. Uh, what do you think has contributed to the delay in seeing this article come to fruition and, and being implemented? Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Victoria Lubadidi, for this opportunity. And uh, thank you for being a moderator. You're always very good. And all of the participants, Marima Wako, Diana, Diana Sifuna, sorry, uh, and Arnold Maliba, very progressive young people. Raised when it comes to implementing Article 100, from where you sit and, and from what you've observed, um, you know, what are some other factors that would prevent or limit other marginalized groups or minority groups from getting to parliament through the ballot and, and not through nomination, not through affirmative action, but through the ballot? That's, that's the ultimate. What do you feel could be some other factors? As youth, and I, I speak to represent the youth and our women in society, when we look at life and representation, we actually just want to enjoy liberty and freedoms and pass through this life in, in a fair way. What may be inhibiting us as young people, as women, to, to fairly get to the ballot box and, and, and have a fighting chance or a fair chance of being represented is that the political party systems, they're not conducive enough to include the young people. They're not conducive enough to support women. When I talk about women representation and youth representation, you know, I like to talk about the other counties other than Nairobi. What we see is that many people focus in Nairobi County, uh, you know, how women are empowered and how women are representative of the people, whether in the corporate sector, uh, the public sector, or even in the non-governmental organizations. But when you go beyond Nairobi and the major cities, when you go to the counties, when you go to counties like Mandera and other places, you just need to go to the towns and city centers and look at the number of young people, women who are not employed, how the persons with disabilities are treated in such spaces, for you to know that there's actually inequities that have been institutionalized in our society. When you look at the, the, the deficiencies of the social cohesion and you look at the big picture of uh, whether a young, young person who even gets a chance to be elected and how they are treated in the committees that they represent. And that is not to say that we, we just want to walk into spaces and not have the qualifications that we have. You might actually be surprised that many young people, especially in this day, have so much qualification, especially in terms of training. Um, maybe what they may be lacking is the, the employment opportunity or rather the experience of you know eight years of work and seven years of work and all this in fact we need to go back to the county commissioners and see what what the years of experience are required so when you look at these systemic things that actually um, distort the understanding of what inclusion is supposed to mean and to understand that 
when when we as members of the society in fact as the majority members of the society when you look at the population census are being excluded systemically in positions of leadership decision making positions uh, in the in the offices public service offices the only public entity or parliament that is maybe compliant is actually the county assemblies and that is where most of the members of county assembly in fact if, we, if I look at the last data it was 49 percent of 49% of them are actually young people. So I think to answer your question, it's 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 the understanding that Kenya is not Nairobi alone or, or maybe the major cities alone. And looking at the counties that, you know, the cultural beliefs or understandings that those societies have, how do they enable and empower young people to get to those spaces? in the public offices, in, in parliament, in leadership positions, in decision-making positions. We look at public participation exercises that are merely decorative, that are not really um, built or meant to actually empower the voices of women and youth. And we're like, this is all a joke. So I come in from civil society and our, our job is to just ensure that the young, young citizens and the young people and the women are empowered, are informed that they're actually, the, the, you know, the new constitution is progressive. The new constitution is meant to empower the citizen and the, and, and, and themselves, um, the citizens as well as themselves as young persons, as women, as people living with disabilities to actually voice out their opinions. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you, Diana, for that point. And I want to bring Nerima in uh, on actually two points made by Diana and Honorable Moura on the fact that whenever we see a lot of these affirmative action seats created, um, oftentimes it's it's tokenism. And, and you know, if you want to talk about, for instance, and uh, Honorable Moura talked about the women rep position, which has kind of created a second tier of marginalization. Um, and he said, you know, it removes the legitimacy. I like to call it the curse of the women rep position because the perception is, women have their seat so why should we then move forward uh, to give them more elected positions of tokenism and many of these positions being created to appease a certain group um, but certainly a lot more needs to be done um, when you're looking at you know you being vocal on youth affairs and representation and the level of youth representation in various political processes how how are we faring i know you alluded to this but in a general sense how are we faring? You know, it's interesting for me to hear uh, Dr. Tari talk about the 290 seats and about four to six slots being um, the ones available to maybe youths and actually to youths, four to six slots. Um, I would like to say that we are not being single-minded about getting to parliament and being there by ourselves. I think we are saying that uh, values, societal values, and I think I just typed in, in the comment section, that the societal values that help integrate social cohesion is not um, is not meant to let's say um, get persons who are maybe qualified or elected to be in parliament. What we're saying is that we need to see representation in that house the same way we need to see representation in other sectors. Why have a population that is so youthful? In fact, if you look at the last consensus, the age, the median age or the medium age of uh, the people in Kenya is 19. So why have a population that is so youthful and then not have the same representation being mirrored in, in various sectors in, 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 in society, including parliament? If we're saying that there are 290 uh, slots in parliament, then surely even asking for a third of that so, so that we're able to build critical mass 
even having a third of those 290 seats to somehow be representative of the population of the country then is a justifiable manner. This one cuts across all the elements of uh, social inequities, economic inequities, and even in the judiciary, young persons, and we know this is a transitional phase. We are not going to be young forever. In fact, I like to remind people that, yes, I will speak for youth matters, but when I exit this space, I will want the other young people to continue speaking up for themselves and, and, and trying to get to, to the places where they, their voices can be heard. What we actually talk among the youth serving organizations and maybe the youth leaders among ourselves is that we wonder what happens to those of us who, who then get into parliament and then forget to fight for the youth agenda. We have seen uh, people like Governor Kivutha Kibwana, who is not a youth, he's not been a youth for so many years, but we have seen him as being a youth advocate for us. So if we have people like Governor Kivutha Kibwana in, you know, now he's in, in, in the government, in the county government, but when we had him there, we were happy to have him there because we knew he actually voiced our, our, our thoughts and our opinions. And he actually advocated for the empowering of young persons, the youth development, the provision of opportunities, empowering and making sure that our, our rights are being met. So it's not even that that there's a favor that is being done to us as young people to get to certain uh, to certain spaces and be able to fight for the rights and, and, and you know and the, and the freedoms that we need to exercise. When you look at society issues and I'll have to highlight you know why are we fighting for representation? When you get there what are you going to do? Number one, we fight for gender equality. We're fighting against what you see continuously in our society where women gender violence is, 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 is on the rise, whether it's in the in the in the informal settlements, whether it's in the refugee camps, whether it's in parliament. Yesterday you saw what happened to the MCA from um, Langokubwa. You saw what happened. That was that was gender violence being displayed in its full effect. Then number two, when we beyond gender, we're looking at um, we're looking at police brutality. Have you looked at the number and the data and the statistics that show you the people who are being uh, beaten by the police? Again, when you look at more than the report that was released by one of the uh, civil society organizations showed that I think 82% of the persons were 42 and below. I know 42 is not youth, but just to tell you that 80% of people who are being abused by the police through violence are actually young persons. 80% is such a huge number. So imagine if we, we actually had youth representation in that parliament out of that 290 people, if we had youth representation and then we as, as civil society actors tell them about these numbers, we tell them 82% of us are being killed by the police. Uh, let's go to gender violence. 90% of the women who are being abused, most of them are young women. So when we have the people in parliament to speak for us, then you'll see the prioritization of the things that affect us in society. I think I'll leave for Nerima to talk about the economic disenfranchising that has happened to the young people. Then you look at the institutions that were built, that were meant to advocate for youth inclusion, these institutions like the National Youth Council and others. And you ask, are they are they being run the right way? Is it in a democratic, so, you know, in a democratic manner. So it is not without merit that we are fighting for diversity and inclusion of young persons. We want to see every single photograph being taken of a critical decision being made. We want to see in it a young person. We want to see in it a female. We want to see a person with disability being represented. And just like Maliba has said, we have no shortage of resources. We, we see every day uh, different uh, development partners, different agencies making donations to Kenya for the development agenda. 
So it is not that we're asking for a favor and it's not that we are fighting for things just for the sake of fighting. Representation matters a lot and representation is the true um, the true demonstration of a democratic society. Thank you.